inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to Jesus. It is Friday. You have made it. You have survived it. Congratulations. The weekend is upon you. Hopefully, you're going to have a great weekend. I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. The, the I, This morning, I could see my own breath. The, it was so freezing cold this morning. I think it was like 50 degrees. I mean, almost declared a state of emergency, I would say. Uh, it was that cold and nice and beautiful. The stars were out, shining. I love that. I love it when I walk out, go to work, and look up and see a star field, especially when it's cold. Isn't that amazing? It's that time of year where it, it starts to feel really good, and you're like, I need to have a fire. Something needs to burn. I need to have a campfire. Smell the smell the wood crackling. That's what I want. Uh, so maybe that this weekend I'll do that with the family. That'll be fun. Uh, so whatever you're doing, hopefully it's going to be good, and uh, maybe we can chat a little bit about that with you in the after show. But we do have a guest in the after show today, so we'll we'll be talking about that in a little bit. But in this hour, we're going to have a good time today, praise be to God. Ryan Dardard, he's an attorney, he's going to be on with us to talk about stemming the political tyranny by building the domestic church. So that's an interesting conversation. So we're going to dive into that at 35 past the hour building up our homes through a Catholic perspective to stem the tide of the, the social crazy that surrounds us every single day. Yay and amen. Uh, so that's coming up 35 past the hour. At 15 past the hour, I want to dive into a couple of big news stories, uh, specifically the uh, the OSHA requirement now enforcing the Biden policy to, uh, to have uh, companies with 100 or more employees vaccinate their employees and or require testing by January the 4th. I mean, there's millions of workers that are now facing layoffs as a result of this. So I want to dive a little bit into that story, as well as the Supreme Court case uh, where uh, a hospital, Catholic hospital, refused to participate in a transgender surgery. And uh, the conservative justices on the Supreme Court supposedly aren't helping them. They're not coming to the rescue. So is this a, an attack against religious freedom and religious liberty? We're going to have that conversation coming up at, during the uh, What's Concerning Us segment at 15 past the hour. All that plus a breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel Day, and so much more. Speaking of breaking, though, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Is it now? It is. It is good to be here. Praise be to God. In spite of it all. In spite of it all, it is good to be here. What's on your agenda this weekend? Uh, This weekend, let me think. I don't really have anything on my agenda. I'm going to try to make it to a cemetery today after uh, after work and might try to make it to First Friday and First Saturday uh, tomorrow. That's right. So today is First Friday, First Saturday, so I'm going to try to get to Mass today and tomorrow. Other than that, uh, the Canelo fight's happening on Saturday, so I might watch that. We'll see. <laughs> who's he fighting now? Uh, don't know. I don't know who he's fighting. I, he so should we'll fight see. Mike Tyson. Uh, yeah, that's a great idea. Poor Mike Tyson. <laughs> Not, uh, that would be terrible. No, it'd be great. <laughs> no, you're crazy. Come on. He's an old man, dude. Stop trying to have old man fight young guys. It's not cool. It's Mike Tyson, though. Joe wants to, wants to watch elder your, abuse. He's not your average, ordinary old man. Okay. He's an old guy. Canelo's the <laughs> best in the world. Not not a fair fight. He's still not Mike Tyson. Okay, just dude. Just saying. Whatever if we took saying, a straw man. poll, I wonder what people would say. We should do that. It'd be fun. 
but we can't. We don't have time today. <laughs> we're gonna have two. We're gonna have two great conversations today. We're at Ryan Daughter is gonna be our guest, an attorney, to talk about political tyranny. That's coming up in a in a moment uh, at thirty five past the hour today. And then, of course, in the, the second half of the second hour, Leela Lawler, wife of Philip Lawler, who's been on our program, uh, extensive blogger and writer on the Catholic faith. Uh, and and church news and church politics. Well, she's written three books in a volume set that's published, I think, by Sophia, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and uh, we're going to be talking to her about modernity and femininity. And uh, that's coming up at the second half of the second hour today. So you can join us, hang out with us on our live video feeds, if you wish, all linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. By the way, you can also get our uh, get on our email list there, the CDT Insider email list. You can get the podcast there. You can watch uh, video clips of past conversations we've had there. All of our social links are there. I mean, this is a lot of information there. Our game show segment and rules and phone number, all that's there. We link to sponsors there as well, so check it out. You can find a radio station that that we are on Monday through Friday linked up there on a map, so wherever you are, you can find a local radio station that carries Catholic Drive Time, all on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's pray and dive into our hour. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your headlines. The AP reports world food prices hit new peak. Wheat harvest a factor. The Rome-based Food and Agricultural Organization said international prices of its basket of food commodities rose by 3% in October for a third straight month of increases. All this while China tells its citizens to begin stockpiling food. The Blaze reports red states began announcing lawsuits to stop Biden's vaccine mandate. At least five states, and I think it's up to 19, as a matter of fact, uh, with Republican governors have announced lawsuits against President Joe Biden's vaccine mandate for large employers, uh, which was finally issued by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration on Thursday. OSHA released new rules requiring companies with more than 100 employees to have their workers vaccinated on regu- or regularly tested for COVID-19 by January the 4th. Businesses that do not comply may be fined up to $13,653 per violation. In response to this, states like Arizona, Florida, Indiana, Iowa, Missouri, and more have each announced plans to sue the Biden administration to halt the mandate. These states are challenging the new OSHA regulations on grounds that the federal government is overreaching and does not have the power to mandate COVID-19 vaccinations for private sector workers. LifeSite News reports Ohio Republicans introduced bill to effectively ban all abortions, following the Texas Heartbeat Act. As the Supreme Court hears challenges to the Texas Heartbeat Act, which bans abortions after a fetal heartbeat can be detected, Ohio Republicans have introduced a bill which goes a step farther than the Texas law, which appears to outlaw almost all abortions regardless of cardiac activity or gestation time. 
The legislation states that exceptions to Ohio's proposed abortion ban would be granted only to those whose assistance in an abortion was, quote, designed or intended to prevent the death of a pregnant mother or the physician made reasonable medical efforts under the circumstances to preserve both the life of the mother and the life of her unborn child in a manner consistent with conventional medical practice, unquote. It is unclear whether such an exception would exclude the delivery of pre-viable babies. Washington Times reports the Pope is saying the church is ashamed uh, by the sex abuse and must better protect kids. Pope Francis on Thursday called on all those who work with children to join together in an alliance to better protect sexual and other abuse of minors. In a message to a conference in Rome about keeping children safe, Francis said the church's own efforts are driven by the sorrow, he says, quote, and the shame for not having always been good custodians of protecting minors who are entrusted to our educational or, and social activities, end quote. Abuse by pedophile priests with easy access to children in parishes, schools, and Catholic after-school recreational programs, coupled with revelations of widespread cover-ups by bishops and other higher-ups, have marred the church's reputation and eroded the trust of countless rank-and-file faithful in many countries for decades now. Survivors of sex abuse by priests and by other church officials have been pressing the Pope to do more to ensure sexual predators are swiftly brought to justice and prevent a repeat of the systematic abuse of minors. Well, I just wish they would have, he would have said something about the abuse of adults by homosexual priests, the seminarians being abused, and many, many others. Maybe next time we'll get a quote on that. And those are your headline news. The saint of the day is St. Zechariah and St. Elizabeth, the parents of St. John the Baptist, but also it's the feast of all holy relics. When all this, on this All Hallows Tide, the eight days following All Hallows Day, which is, you know, All Saints Day, and parallel to the Old Testament law forbidding anyone from touching dead bodies, Christ shows a new life in himself by the action of healing by those dry bones. The saints are not to be reckoned among the dead. No, instead, they are alive in Christ as he is God of the living and not of the dead. Instead of making us unclean, we are brought healing and new life from these holy relics, so much so that the church made it mandatory that no altar be constructed without having a relic in the altar. It used to be that it had to be a martyr, and now it can be any saint. Just as Pope Boniface IV had consecrated a pagan temple as a Catholic church by giving a solemn exorcism and then processing into the temple with all the relics of Rome, and they processed it in the temple, consecrating it to God. Today, go venerate the holy relics at your parish. Make a pilgrimage to these holy relics, for by the altars to the saints, we make an altar to God of our saints' relics. God loves these altars, and if you ask me, says St. Augustine, because I will tell you that the reason is that the death of the saints is precious before God. For if we are to venerate the body of Christ, so should we venerate the physical remains of those who are the hands and feet of Christ, perfected in his love. To deny veneration of the holy relics, relics is to deny the veneration of the body of Christ. All you saints of God, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. Today, the gospel comes to us from Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Jesus said to his disciples, A rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, What is this I hear about you? 
Prepare a full account of your stewardship, because you can no longer be my steward. This steward said to himself, What shall I do, now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do, when I am removed from the stewardship, that they may welcome me into their homes. He called in his master's debtors, one by one. To the first he said, How much do you owe my master? He replied, One hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Here is your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write for forty. Then to another he said, And you, how much do you owe? He replied, One hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Here is your promissory note. Write one for eighty. And the master commended that dishonest steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than the children of light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine said, The steward whom, is, whom his Lord cast out of his stewardship is nevertheless commended because he provided himself against the future. As it follows, And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. We ought not, however, to take the whole uh, for our imitation. For we should never act deceitfully against our Lord in order that from that fraud itself we may give alms. Now, that I've always been uh, a little bit uh, intrigued by this particular uh, parable because the steward is doing something wrong, which is why he's being fired. <laughs> and yet the Lord commends him or his master commends him at the end. Now, here's what the Ignatius Catholic Commentary uh, says about this. It says his prudence, talking about the prudence. The master, although cheated by the debt reduction, commends the steward for his shrewdness. He recognizes that the steward's last-minute efforts proved successful in winning the favor of the debtors and making his financial future more secure. The unjust strategy of the steward shows that he was motivated by an entirely selfish concern for his own temporal welfare. Jesus points to the steward as both an example and a warning, an example that the steward shows how to expend every effort in making use of our means to prepare for the future. Just as his cunning won him a comfortable living in the houses of his master's debtors, so believers are challenged to make friends by almsgiving in order to be received into eternal habitations. As a warning, the steward is intended to characterize the attitude of the Pharisees who have been listening to Jesus since chapter 15, verse 2, and who are charged with being lovers of money. It is implied that the Pharisees are despising God by their devotion to mammon. Let that sink in. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, 
craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul. Unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. We are killing unborn children by the millions. But how many men should be here? But where have all the good men gone? Where are you? Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Ryan Dardard. He's an attorney, a young attorney, Catholic attorney. And he's going to be on to talk about the culture of home as the remedy to political tyranny. Building the domestic church as a way to stem the tide of political tyranny in our in our society today. That's coming up at 35 past the hour. There are, as I like to say, a few stories that are of concern to me, but I'm sure to many, many others as well. You know, um, when it comes to politics, right versus left, you know, Republican versus Democrat, conservative versus liberal type of politics, you know, it never ceases to amaze me how much I see we invest fully into our political parties rather than into who we are as Catholics and our the lens through which we see the world, the Catholic faith handed on by Christ, who is the second person of the Trinity, through the bishops, the apostles, and then the bishops down through our age. The, the, the timeless truth, irregardless of what political parties believe or feel. And we put all our hopes in this, these baskets. Oh, if we can only vote so-and-so in. If we could only get this judge on the, on the bench. Everything's going to be fine. And then all of a sudden, we get disappointed. Well, that's called life, right? I mean, concupiscent natures will do that to you. And not everybody's going to act and and behave in the way you wish they would. That's called life. However, um, it still never ceases to amaze me how much we put and invest into these, uh, these hopes and dreams that simple political solutions are going to solve the world's problems. And I always hold to the fact that we have to pursue them, yes, but let's not... Let's not give them too much credit, because ultimately, only Christ and his church can do that. Only the sacraments are going to transform people. Um, Here's a headline out of the National Review. Supreme Court allows lawsuit against Catholic hospital over refused transgender hysterectomy. Now, I I reported on this story, I think it was earlier this week when I did that, but let me read a little bit of this article to you. Some will recall my writing about the Dignity Health Health case. This uh, article was written by Wesley Smith over at the National Review. Some will recall my writing about the Dignity Health case in which a Catholic hospital refused to provide a hysterectomy for a transgendered patient. The hospital's reasons did not target transgender patients, but were in keeping with the church's prohibition against removing healthy organs and surgeries that sterilize patients absent significant pathology. The refusal would have applied to any patient, not just those requesting transition surgery. A trial court tossed the suit based on freedom of religion, but California's higher courts blessed the lawsuit, which claims the hospital discriminated illegally against the patient based on sexual identity. The hospital petitioned the Supreme Court for a hearing. The request has languished for more than a year, awaiting a decision. Four justices are needed to obtain a hearing, but only three, Thomas, Gorsuch, and Alito, 
were willing to take the case. Did you get that? What about uh, Barrett? Hmm, what about Kavanaugh? Uh, what about Chief Justice Roberts, the Catholic, for crying out loud? Uh, does he not see that this uh, the, that the Catholic hospital has a right to its religious perspective under the Constitution? Or, or no? I'm just curious. How does that work? Goes on to say, quoting the Rudder story, quote, In the California case, the hospital said it does not discriminate against transgender patients but does not allow its facilities to be used for a certain for certain procedures, including abortion, sterilization, and euthanasia, which it contends are contrary to Catholic teaching. The hospital in 2016 had I- initially scheduled Menton's hysterectomy, surgical removal of the uterus, but canceled it after learning the reason Menton wanted it, according to the lawsuit. The hospital let Menton's physician perform the procedure at a different facility in its system a few days later. Wow. I mean, good grief. So this is kind of like the, the cake maker story or the wedding photographer story. You know, this is, these are hit jobs is what it comes down to. You're going to do what I need you to do, want you to do. Uh, you're going to not just go along with it, but you're going to agree with it. That's a different level of uh, of viciousness in the culture war. Skipping down a little bit here, it says, This is a potential catastrophe for freedom of religion. Indeed, based on this and other recent religious liberty refusals, it is obvious to me that the majority of the court is unwilling to reverse the obvious Smith case that badly uh, hobbled free exercise protections. The last slender thread of such protection is the now acutely threatened Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Bottom line, if the jury returns a seven-figure verdict against Dignity Health, and this being the most woke state in the union, it well could. The verdict will declare open season on Catholic health care for trial lawyers. Did you catch that? Catholic hospitals, look out. It's coming. Abortion, contraception, transgender surgeries, and who knows what is coming next. How about in vitro? Are they going to force that down our throats, too? You know, this is very concerning that uh, we have these supposed conservative, you know, founding father, you know, judges, Catholics, nonetheless. And still, we have a case here where they could have intervened. They could have spoken up for religious liberty, for religious freedom, and they haven't. Where does that leave us? I think we can't put our hope. In politicians, in judges, and the rest, we can only place our hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the, the immutable truth that he has handed on to us. We have to hold fast to that, at least in my opinion. I want to transition to another uh, story that I think is going to be incredibly important for so many people. Yesterday, I got a text, uh, af- yesterday afternoon, I got a text uh, from some listeners who are facing this. I know several people who are facing layoffs as a result of the vaccine mandates. I mean, people are very worried. They're very concerned. They don't know what's going to happen next. They don't want to get the, the, uh, the vaccine. They have uh, their conscience is truly bothered by the vaccines, especially in their participation in the, uh, in the evil act of abortion, whether in testing or in development or in the, in the makeup itself, doesn't matter. The fact that it was tainted with the blood of murdered children is a problem for so many people, and yet it's being crammed down our throats. Here's this article out of the Epic Times. OSHA, vaccine mandate released, 
84 million workers face January 4th deadline. You know, this could be the one issue that brings right and left together in a way we haven't seen in a long time, right? I mean, literally thousands and thousands of people are protesting all across the country. People who have been vaccinated are protesting vaccine mandates right now. You have the massive amounts of people in New York City right now who are are being laid off or put on uh, involuntary leave without pay because they haven't been vaccinated. You got the military with thousands and thousands of servicemen and women who are not wanting to get this vaccine. You got people in California and Chicago and in the most liberal parts of our country, Seattle. They're all walking off the job. They're all facing this uncertain future because because they see this as overreach. And here we go. A little bit of this article. The Biden administration has released the new rule from the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, that requires 84 million private sector workers to get vaccinated against COVID-19. Golly gee whiz. Tens of thousands died from the flu every year until COVID-19 hit. Did we require that vaccination? Nope, we surely did not. There's a lot of things we don't actually require that impact people's lives, even to the point of death. But somehow this one requires it, even though it has a 96% and above, depending on the age group, of success rate, of survival rate. Still, still, it's just the way it is. The article goes on to say the administration has also announced its rule from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services requiring 17 million healthcare workers at facilities that receive federal funding to be vaccinated. The White House is also pushing back the deadline for workers in those sectors to get fully vaccinated by January 4th, 2022, according to a senior administration official. The date also applies to federal contractors. In September, the Biden administration stated it would require employees at federal contractors to get vaccinated by December the 8th. Quote, we wanted to do this because we're really aligning uh, aligning it to make it easier, to make it as easy as possible for businesses to implement these requirements and for workers to comply. Unquote, the official said when asked about pushing back the deadline. The Biden administration received multiple letters from industries requesting the vaccination deadline be moved back until after the holiday season. The OSHA rule requires employers with 100 or more employees to be put vac- put to put vaccine requirements in place for all staff or face fines up to $14,000 essentially per violation. This agency is allowed to put it into place an emergency temporary standard when it determines workers are at grave risk. Now, here's the ca- here's the catch right there. Uh, companies with 100 or more employees. This is going to be We're going to revisit this topic. You watch. Because there's already talk. In fact, I found that over on Gab, someone posted a a screenshot of the text. And it's basically saying that OSHA is already looking Right here, OSHA seeks information about the ability of employers with fewer than 100 employees to implement COVID-19 vaccines and or testing programs. They're asking for the public to respond back to them to say, hey, hey, guys, do you want us to impose this on smaller companies, too? Just let us know. And uh, when you know it, I guarantee we're going to probably see uh, a rule that comes out, an amendment to this that says, hey, companies smaller than 100 are going to also have to follow this rule and require their employees to either get mandated or be tested 
continuously, and the employee is going to have to cover the cost of the test. So this is going to be a burden, and it's going to be a make-or-break moment for many in America. And I think we're seeing that. Literally tens of thousands of people are protesting this, and states are suing the the government over it. It's kind of a big deal. So will it uh, pass muster in the court system? I don't know. The Biden administration has been asking the court to not interfere, claiming the court has no authority to do so. So we'll see. I guess we'll see. That'll be step number one. And then number two, will uh, if companies refuse to do this, if they just say, I'm not doing it, will OSHA actually have the resources, the wherewithal, the manpower to come and enforce this rule and f- make those fines happen? The one kicker there is going to be the IRS will simply check their taxes, their tax filings, and put a lien against it. And uh, <laughs> that'll make it even more uh Interesting, more uh, horrible. I don't even know how to think about that. But this other story that I reported, the CDC's changed definition of vaccine because of COVID-19 vaccines. Emails have been leaked now that said internal employees at CDC back in August were saying, hey, guys, guess what's happening? These right wingers are using our own definition of vaccines against us for the mRNA vaccines. They're saying that the mRNA, you know, doesn't actually fit the definition that we have posted of the definition of vaccines. So let's change, let's change the rule. Let's change the definition. So they did in September, September the 1st, they actually changed the definition of what a vaccine is so that they could have this pass muster. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. I'll be reporting more on this, I think, in the upcoming news break in just a moment. This is the type of stuff that we're talking about in the political tyranny. Building a bulwark around our family. Building a bulwark around our family to stem the tide of the crazy in our society. Building the domestic church. Living in a state of grace. Striving for holiness. Those are the answers, not politics. We'll be right back. Atheists sometimes attack religion by saying it's a crutch for the weak-minded. They'll say, religion is for those who can't think for themselves. Does this objection justify atheism? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, the objection is not an argument against theism. It's merely an assertion. Someone's use of religion as a crutch says nothing whether or not God exists. Second, what's wrong with using a crutch if one is deficient? If you break your leg, using a crutch is actually the smart thing to do. As fallen human beings, our intellects are weakened. Consequently, it's not unreasonable to acknowledge we need help from God in our journey back to Him. So, a believer's appeal to religion for direction in life is not a sign of intellectual weakness. It's actually the intelligent thing to do. That is, if the religion is true. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. 
Praise be to Jesus. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. And here are your headline news. The Daily Wire reports a juror was dismissed for joking about Jacob Blake at the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Market Watch reports the Biden administration wants more oil output from OPEC. However, OPEC says no and holds steady on the output increase. The oil futures traded higher on Thursday after organization of the petroleum exporting countries and their allies known together as OPEC uh, reaffirmed their previous decision on production levels and said the group will raise the monthly overall production by 400,000 barrels per day in December. The decision to hold steady to previous production plans was, quote, no surprise to the markets, unquote, said Andy Brogan, global oil and gas leader at professional services network EY, going on to say, quote, the group's strategy, as demand has recovered from the pandemic, has been quite successful, and there was no compelling reason for for them to change course, unquote. Sky News reports COVID-19 gene that doubles risk of respiratory failure from COVID identified by Oxford University scientists. They found that a relatively unstudied gene called LZTFL1 appears to stop cells in the airways and lungs from responding to the virus properly, potentially leading to respiratory failure and death. 60% of people with South Asian ancestry carry the high-risk genetic signal, uh, partly explaining the excess deaths seen in some UK communities, researchers said. It is found in about 15% of those with European ancestry, while for people of Afro-Caribbean ancestry, it is 2%. Breitbart reports White House backtracking. Actually, Joe Biden perfectly comfortable with payouts for illegal immigrants. White House Deputy Press Secretary Karen Jean-Pierre said Biden was actually perfectly comfortable with the idea, despite his own comments on Wednesday insisting that, quote, it's not going to happen, unquote, she said. If it saves taxpayer dollars and puts disastrous history of the previous administration's use of zero tolerance and family separation behind us, the president is perfectly comfortable with the Justice Department settling with the individuals and families currently in litigation with the federal government. Biden previously called reports that the Department of Justice was considering payouts to individual legal immigrants who were separated during former President Donald Trump's zero-tolerance immigration enforcement policy, quote, garbage and not true, unquote. But Jean-Pierre said Biden was specifically referring to the idea of the reported $450,000 price tag, not the overall concept of a payout. Epic Times reports the CDC has changed the definition of vaccine because of COVID-19 vaccines. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention altered the definition of vaccine because of concern that the definition didn't apply to COVID-19 vaccines, according to the newly released internal emails. The agency updated its definition on September the 1st. The definition was formally, quote, a product that stimulates a person's immune system to produce immunity to a specific disease, protecting the person from that disease, unquote. That, defini- that definition now reads, quote, a preparation that is used to stimulate the body's immune response against diseases, unquote. One CDC employee in August, shortly before the definition was changed, said the definition was being used by, quote, right-wing COVID-19 pandemic deniers to argue that the mRNA vaccines are not vaccines, unquote, according to the newly published emails. 
The Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines utilize messenger RNA technology. All three COVID-19 vaccines authorized for use in the United States plummet in effectiveness against infections several months after receiving them, after initially being promoted as protecting against infection and severe disease. The definition, quote, was twisted to claim that the existing COVID-19 vaccines were not vaccines because they only prevented severe illness, unquote, according to these released emails. And those are your headline news. Praise be to God. Uh, joining us right now via Zoom chat is Ryan Dardard. He is a, a young Catholic attorney. We're going to talk about political tyranny, building the culture of home, building up the domestic church as a as a bulwark against the crazy in society. Good morning to you, Ryan. Hey, good morning, Joe. How are you? Praise be to God. I am alive, and that counts. How are you? Oh, yeah, I'm doing great. Just happy to be with you all this morning. Yeah, praise be to Jesus. Down here in Mobile, Alabama. Former seminarian, I understand. Yeah, two th- in 2014 and 16, I was in the seminary for the Archdiocese of Mobile and graduated college seminary over at St. Joseph's in, in Covington and um, then discerned out and went into law school. All right. Well, praise be to God. Um, political tyranny, you know, th- those words all by themselves would probably spark a lot of people to start thinking, oh, conspiracy theory. But in our day and our time, you have uh, cities that burned down, riots, uh, death, a disease, you know, war, rumors of wars. I mean, it's getting pretty interesting in the times we live in. Uh, can you define the term, what is political tyranny, especially in uh, today's America? Right. And I agree with you. It's much more credible today. Tyranny is defined by ruling, by, ruling for private gain. Whereas truly in the, in the Catholic sense and even in the classical sense, rule is for the common good, for the good of the community. But in tyranny, you have someone or a regime come into power and they play off of everyone else's power schemes to ultimately just fulfill their own private gain. And you'll see that in very many different ways. And I think you see it very interesting, interestingly today in the U.S. because you have the rise of these mega corporations. They're also playing as political actors as well with all the things with Facebook, releasing data, controlling us uh, based on the way that we buy things. Um, So today it's even more interesting to see the political tyranny is moving outside of the official office space and more into what we would traditionally distinguish as the private sector. You know, Generally speaking, everybody uses tyranny to describe their opponents politically. I mean, every right. every administration, no matter who's in office or who's got control of Congress, the opposite side always accuses the other side of tyranny. And yet, words have meanings and in, in definitions, unless you're the CDC and you just change all of that. But uh, in this case, we are seeing actual tyranny. I mean, think about it. We we're facing a time when every citizen is being mandated to receive a medical treatment whether they want it or not. The whole my body, my choice argument, it goes out the window. I mean, this is the kind of stuff we expect in communist China, but it's happening in Western countries every day. Right, exactly. I mean, in the West, and especially in the U.S., what we pride ourselves off of our liberty, but we've been, but our officials have so quickly come in and uh, swooped in to mold a new society to their liking, right? Exactly, for their own private gain. You know, um, I was commenting earlier on the uh, Supreme Court refusing to take the case of the Catholic Hospital in China, or in California, China, almost, in California, uh, that didn't want to perform a hysterectomy on a person who wanted a transgender surgery. 
And uh, we have we have conservative justices on the court that didn't want to take up the case. And uh, how often I think too often we put our trust in politics. But that's not the answer, is it? No, absolutely not. And scripture tells us that all the time. It says don't trust in princes. That they will always fail you. Um, at the end of the day, we we put our trust in the Lord, but then He also gives us the blueprint of how of how true uh, political and the word political is much actually more broad than what our what, how we use it today, where we distinguish between the political and the private. Um, everything is political, but the Lord gives us the blueprint on how to lead a truly political revolution by showing us that He incarnates as a member of a family. He incarnates as a member of a family, and he gathers friends around him. And through this small unit, he revolutionizes the entire world. And we learn from the Holy Family. We learn from our Lord's example that it's cultivation of the local. It's cultivation of the, your friendships. And most especially, it's cultivation of the home that will act as a bulwark to political tyranny. So today, we define ourselves by our self-expression. Right. That's how we more or less define. We see that in, in the gender theory. However, I express myself as how I define myself. But that's not true. Like We're not individuals. We're a person. And we, uh, the most basic and fundamental and the highest revelation of Christian truth is that God is personal. God is made up of relationships. And that is what defines a person, the relationships. The father is only father because he has a son and the son is only the son because he has a father. So it is these uh, relationships that we have that define us. And if you don't have those thick relationships at home in your community, you're going to start outsourcing them to the wider world. And the more you do that, the more yourself is defined uh, by by the, the market, more defined by the government because they'll swoop in where you're not having as much time. For instance, if you're going to, send your kid to public school and I understand that different people have different situations and I'm not trying to at all um, to shame someone in their situation. But if you send your kid to public school, well now they have a relationship with the state. Whereas look on the other end of the spectrum, a homeschooler will have the relationship in that area with their parent. So we see the shift here in the example of how I define myself based on my relationships. The relationships are ultimately what's going to cultivate that bulwark against tyranny. I think it's an excellent point. Ryan Dardard is our guest, a young Catholic attorney. I think he's got a. You're, you're trying to put a. You start a blog, right? You're going to be starting a blog on uh, young Catholic att- attorneys. I think is what it was called. Right. Yeah. Young Catholic lawyers. A buddy young of Catholic mine, uh, Brooks Mason, myself, we met in law school and just started talking about politics, the church, and decided that once we got out into the real world so to speak <laughs> we start the blog um so yes all right hold, hold that thought hold that thought we got to go to a quick break we're going to be right back we're going to continue our conversation about the domestic church building up the culture at home to be a bulwark against political tyranny in our society all that's coming up next don't go anywhere kevin drive now we'll be right back this is dale alquist with a chesterton minute Have you ever heard someone say, what's wrong for you may be right for someone else? And besides, what's right and wrong changes like everything else. You can't fight these things. You have to just go with the flow. G.K. Chesterton says, right is right, even if nobody does it. 
and wrong is wrong even if everybody is wrong about it. Right and wrong are not based on fashion and personal preferences and not on the calendar. They're based on the laws of God, on eternal truth that does not change. And as for going with the flow, G.K. Chesterton says, a dead thing goes with the stream. Only a living thing can go against it. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Ryan Darter is our guest, young Catholic attorney. And we're talking about political tyranny and the domestic church building up our culture at home as a bulwark against the craziness in our in our country, in our society today. Ryan, before the break, we were talking about relationships. You know, I was thinking uh, this is the one aspect that I feel is almost at the at the center of the battle line. It is uh, it is taking a a full frontal attack here. In that, look at what happens on social media. I mean, you get on Twitter, it's like it's like the high school cafeteria all over again. It is juvenile behavior by adults in many ways. Um, so you have you have relationships that aren't really relationships. There, look at uh, the riots and uh, and the burning of of cities and and the the heated uh, con- violent contests at protests. Uh, that took place last year and now are still taking place now. I mean, look at the division in society. It's, we, we've said this a bunch of times, but I think we mean it this time. Our country's never been more divided. Relationships, as our Lord would say, you know, divided in the home itself. Relationships are really being impacted by this. How do we, what is the solution here? What do we do about all this? Well, one thing I think we've got to realize is that things that precede us do have a claim on us. So going back to how you, you were hitting on how the change in terms and especially on relationships has changed. Um, it, I think that that is key because now we say the only relationship that has any kind of claim on me is the one that I choose for myself. It's all my choice, but that's not how it's been classically done. My local community that I've been brought into has a claim on me to some degree. The family that I'm brought into has a claim to me on some degree. That's why the church, uh, once I'm baptized, has a claim on me, even though it's my parents, my godparents that profess the faith for me. So we do have these duties that precede us. And you see this in its in uh, at its high point in the home because you are brought in to this world by your family. There is no uh, radically autonomous individual. It's never existed. It's a fiction of the modern liberal world. There's only the radically, de- uh, the, there's the dependent rational animal, as Alistair McIntyre would call us. We are brought into this world dependent on relationships. And the home is the most fundamental of those of all. Like I, before I am anything else, before I choose to be an attorney, uh, before I even uh, choose to be a husband, I am a son. I'm a son to a particular man and a particular woman. And 
within a particular family and I have traditions that inform my worldview and direct me down my path. Yet those too often, I think, even as Catholic families, we we sometimes even not even knowing or realizing what we're doing, we have chosen a worldview that is much more secular, much more world, the flesh, and the devil, as I would call it, than uh, than through the lens of the Catholic faith, the immutable, timeless truth, because truth is a person, it's not an abstract. Uh, and I feel like too often we make decisions without even thinking about it that tend towards a more secular worldview, which has an end towards division, an end towards uh, disagreement, an end towards even divorce and, and crazy in society. Do you see it that way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, going back to the classical tradition, the soul is made – it's the three-part three, three soul, right? Your soul is made up of your intellect, your will, and your appetites. And because of sin, we're disordered. And the rightly ordered soul, it would be the appetites are subjected to the will – which is led by the intellect, which is directed towards objective truth. But because of original sin, we have it all flipped. Now we use our intellect. Uh, now our will uses our intellect just to satisfy our base desires, which that's when political tyranny can come in and swoop in because it takes advantage of the fact that we're not ordering ourselves towards truth. We're not ordering ourselves toward virtue. We're ordering ourselves just to satisfy these base desires. And um, without the bulwark of the family to foster virtue, we're going to lose every time. The, whereas political tyranny is the rule for private gain, the family is where rule, with the head of the father, rule is for the sake of helping everyone find their mission, find their mission in the church, find their mission in God, or in a more classical sense of developing virtue. Uh, and the virtues are the self-mastery that will help us direct us toward truth uh, rather than being susceptible to the players in the market or the players in political office that are trying to take advantage of us, uh, advantage of, us of following our base desires. Uh, so there's a couple points, and I think the ultimately uh, a little bit of setup for the question. The question is essentially how do how does this fit in with a presidency because we're talking about relational uh, between a father and a son and in the traditional kingships you know the the king would not despise the common good and people often mistake the definition of common good the common good isn't what's good for the most amount of people but instead it's what is commonly good for individuals and instead they seek private interests and it seems that as a presidency we just have a cycling tyranny we have cycling tyrants that come in sometimes we get a tyrant we like that they're uh they're private interests align with ours and sometimes we don't and so we just have this cycling of tyrants coming in and out in and out and we don't actually have this relation where a king was seen as a father to his people and the people as sons and daughters to the to their king and uh and so for a presidency how do we set this up because it seems like the as a capitalist state or as a free market economy we are stuck with a idea where I can never possibly think of the president, no matter if it's a president I like or don't like, as a father figure. So how does that work? Yeah, you know, going back to the juxtaposition between the king, the king often ruled much closer to his people. So he's much more familiar with his people. And there was a thick network of communities in between him that would mediate rule. Whereas now you're seeing this huge apparatus of the feds just swamping over not just the states, but the local municipalities as well, I think ultimately that uh, we we've got to we got to realize that 
again, true politics or the heart of politics does not happen in D.C. Okay, it doesn't even happen at your state capital. True, the heart of politics happens at the home. We've got to check out from this idea that whoever is in D.C. is going to save us. We have to check out from this idea who's ever in our state capital is going to save us. And we've got to check out from all the things that give them power. Uh, I can give an example of the way that we give them power. I think everyone is susceptible to Amazon, right? Amazon is uh, one of these apparatus that we all are part of that destabilizes our local communities. But why do we do it? We do it because it's so convenient, because the prices are easy, uh, the prices are good. It's easy to just log on to my laptop and get what I need there versus having to go to Walmart and deal with all that. So it's the convenience. And that goes back to the fact that we are disordered. And instead of ordering ourselves towards truth, we order ourselves towards our base desires. The only way that we're going to work against this tyrannical apparatus that is now the federal government is by cultivating a local culture. And we often talk about that as far as buying local, uh, developing local community, but it has to begin in the home. It has to begin with recognizing that first I'm a son of this family and I have duties to this family and I have traditions within this family that claim me and direct me. Uh, Ryan Daughter is our guest. He is a young Catholic attorney. We're talking about political tyranny, the domestic home, the domestic church, and uh, and how that can stem the tide of the craziness in our in our culture around us. We have just a few minutes left in our in our conversation, and I was thinking while you were talking about that about traditions and family, and you know, statistically, immigrants that come to our country tend to have uh, they're better based in this idea of family and family structure and relationships. However, statistically, they come to our country and they end up just like the rest of us. You know, my own family, uh, our family immigrated over from Scotland and the United Kingdom or England in the uh, 18th century. Uh, long since lost that sense of family and tradition. Long since. It's gone. Um, I feel like the modern American family is, is kind of that way. And I feel like the future of our country, unless we light a fire in the hearts of the immigrants, especially those that have the Catholic faith, to embrace the fullness of the Catholic faith, to live it vigorously, and then influence the rest of us that way, that we will see more secularization, not less. What say you, Ryan? I agree, but you know, how are we going to do that if we're not first living it ourselves, right? I mean, so we got we got to cultivate the credible witness ourselves. We've got to. Uh, we got to stop. We got we got to put the script on everybody. We can't keep marshalling these values that have got us here. For instance, the the all like the almighty workspace that you are defined by your status of your career and this uh, career climbing this career climbing uh, culture that we have. No uh, steps that we need to take to do this is you know no fathers need to say you know what like maybe I'm actually going to work less so that mm. I can spend time with my children so that. I will have a truly father and son relationship. I will direct my children to virtue. Maybe we will celebrate the choice of a woman to stay home with her children rather than work as the more noble thing rather than merely uh, an equally valid choice. Once we start doing this and we cultivate these virtues uh, and uh, these things, then we'll be able to live it ourselves and uh encourage yes immigrant communities to join with us keep your traditions uh let's have a truly that's, that's a true pluralism right i mean that's a true diversity right there 
Well, we're, we're just down to it here, but uh, Ryan Daughter has been our guest. We're very grateful to you. Praise be to Jesus. What is the best place for people to find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram or just type in my name, Ryan Dardard, uh, my LinkedIn, same at Ryan hyphen Dardard and be looking out for young Catholic lawyers, young Catholic lawyers. That's, that's coming. Praise be to God. That's a Ryan D A R D A R D. Check it out yes. on Instagram, LinkedIn, and, uh, and I think Twitter as well. So Ryan, God right. bless you. God love you. Have a great day. We're very grateful to you. Thank y'all for having me on. Have a great day. You too. Praise be to God. Well, uh, before we wrap up, we have uh, about a minute here before we have to say goodbye for the first hour. We're very grateful to everybody for being on our program. I just want to say today's Janice's last day on the program. Janice, thank you for your service to Catholic Drive yes, Time. Yes, thank you so much. Um, yeah, we, we can talk about that when when we come back from the break at least shortly. <laughs> at least for those of you that are able to join us for the break. But I wanted to let you know that uh, today is Janice's last day. We're going to be announcing a new teammate for CDT uh, in next week, I am sure. So uh, that's coming up. But hopefully we'll conversate more about that in the next hour with the game show, with the breaking news and stories, but good news next hour. Of course, we also have prizes to give away today. And we also have a guest in our after show. All that coming up next hour. Join us online at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here on Monday. for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe he is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us his real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only his symbolic flesh and blood? 
a beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. You have survived it. It is Friday. You made it. And it's also First Friday, which means tomorrow's First Saturday, so you get opportunities here. Praise be to Jesus. And don't forget, go to a cemetery and pray with your family there as well for the faithfully departed and uh, make use of the opportunity to to take, uh, to take get a plenary indulgence, right? Praise be to God for that. We have uh, a great hour lined up for you this hour. We're going to have a good news story for you in just a moment. We're also going to have a Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. Hopefully we'll get a reflection in there as well. And then, of course, we play our game, Fear and Trembling, and today's the day we give out prizes. Praise be to Jesus. In the second half of this hour today, uh, we are going to say goodbye to Janice. That's going to be one thing we're going to do. Today is her last day on the CDT team. Praise be to God for her. And uh, we'll be announcing uh, a new member of the CDT team next week. Praise be to Jesus. But we'll we'll do that in the, in the after show, but also we're going to have a conversation with Leela Lawler, who has a brand new three-volume set on the Summa Domestica, uh, published by Sophia Institute Press, and we're going to have a conversation about modernity and femininity and the home. All of that is coming up in this in this hour, so it's going to be jam-packed. A lot going on. Praise be to God. And before I forget, can I also just say happy birthday to our friend Mike Over at odyssey.com. He's hanging out with us. He always watches and and comments every day at Odyssey on our live video stream there at odyssey.com. And we're very grateful to Mike for not only being a member of the CDT Insiders, but also being a a financial supporter of our radio apostolate. We're so very grateful to you, Mike. Happy birthday to you. We hope that you will have a great weekend this weekend. Praise be to God. Well, good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. Speaking about birthdays, tomorrow is actually my birthday. Well, happy birthday, yes. Janice. So, Praise um, be to God. What are you doing? Skydiving? Um, shark diving? Well, we were actually uh, hoping to go to a comedy show down in downtown Houston. Same thing. Totally the but, same thing. But um, they're requiring vaccines to enter. Are you and being so, serious? And they're, in Houston, Texas? Yes. Isn't that illegal in the state of well, Texas? Well, no. It's like uh, you have to either have a vaccine or you have to have have um, a negative COVID test. What if you wore hazmat suit? Now that would be funny. And at a comedy show, it would be hilarious. You guys should you guys should go get costumes that are hazmat suits and then wear them. Just sit there yeah. the, whole, the whole time. But and then sa- like we- pour the drinks on the mask and let the water like just like uh, spill all over the place. It'd be mm-hmm. hilarious. Yeah. We celebrated early by going to a um a mu- um a concert or a musical, like classical concert oh, neat. Um, last night with um Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton. Oh wonderful. They had their children choir uh really beautiful it's like a scola choir very sure. um 
very uh, traditional, very classical. Um, yeah. It was really beautiful. So, Wonderful. Yeah, but um, yes, so today is my last day. Um, uh, it's a, a definitely uh, a sad, um, kind of, you know, a bittersweet mm-hmm. season for my life right now where um, I've been I've been feeling this um, tug to uh, uh, I'll be uh, working from home uh, full time. And um, that's really kind of like where I know I, I read a quote last uh, earlier this week. It said things that perhaps didn't necessarily work out in life actually worked out for you really good. And I love that quote so much because I really feel like that's kind of the um, summary of like my season in life right now where I feel like. Sure. Uh, God, uh, like I, I really felt like God wanted me to be here, and I've yeah. met so many amazing people, and I well, I feel we'll, so edified. We'll um, talk more about yes. that hopefully in the after show. But uh, speaking of uh, summaries in life, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy! It's good to be here. Praise is be to God. Are you sure? It is. In spite of it all. In spite of it all, it is good to be here. Praise <laughs> be to God. <laughs> okay, it is a great thing, and I'm excited for the weekend and. Uh, Gonna do a lot of uh, you know, first Friday, first Saturday, visiting cemeteries. It's gonna be great. I love it. All right. Well, praise be to God. A lot to cover today in this hour. Like I said, we have uh, the uh, good news coming up. We have Saint of the Day, Gospel Day. Hopefully, we'll get some uh, commentary in there as well. And then uh, we play the game show. Uh, last opportunity for for Janice to fool you, trick you, or maybe give the answers away. Who knows? Uh, but that's coming up. And then we give out prizes today. Today's the day we pull a name out of the cup. And then in the after show, we're going to have a conversation with Leela Lawler, wife of Philip Lawler, who we've had on the program before. And uh, that's going to be a good conversation. So sit back, relax, and join us. But let's pray first. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your good news story for today. Praise be to God. LifeSite News reports Texas passes amendment to state constitution barring future church closings. Yay and amen. Texas voters passed an amendment to the state constitution on Tuesday that prevents any state or local governments from closing churches under any circumstances. Proposition 3 stipulates that the state or any political subdivision cannot intervene in religious services and organizations or issue orders that would close a church or house of worship. It also enshrines the Texas Freedom to Worship Act signed earlier this year as part of the Texas Constitution. Additionally, Prop 3 amended Section 110 of the Texas Civil Practice and Remedies Code by defining a place of worship to include any building or grounds where religious services are conducted. The amendment passed with 62% of the vote, according to uh, Ballotpedia. Jonathan Sinez, president and attorney for Texas Values, a conservative organization that fights for the advancement of culture and family values, said in a statement, quote, The overwhelming message is clear from Texas voters. Don't mess with our churches, unquote. He went on to say that churches are essential in Texas, and the words of our Texas Constitution now reflect this principle and will 
and the will of the people. Praise be to God. Texas voters also passed Prop 6 with 88% of the vote. The amendment allows for residents of nursing homes and long-term care facilities to designate an essential caregiver who would not, under normal circumstances, be allowed an in-person visit. Nursing homes were one of the entities hardest hit by COVID, many of which were forced to shut down during the lockdowns. All eight proposed amendments to the Texas Constitution passed. Voter turnout was about 9%. Wow, not very many people voted. But that is your good news for today. Praise be to God. The saint of the day is St. Zachariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist. And today is also the Feast of All Holy Relics. So, you know, we're still in All Hallows Tide, the tide the eight days following All Saints Day. In parallel to the Old Testament law forbidding anyone from touching dead bodies, Christ shows a new life in himself by the action of healing by those dry bones. The saints are not to be reckoned among the dead. No, instead, they are alive in Christ as he is God of the living and not of the dead. Instead of making us unclean, we are brought healing and new life from these holy relics. So much so that the church made it mandatory that no altar be constructed without having a relic in the altar. It used to be the case that it was a martyr that had to be there. Just as Pope Boniface IV had consecrated a pagan temple as a Catholic church by going in and exercising the temple and then processing into the temple all the relics in Rome through that temple, exercising it and consecrating it to God. Today, go venerate the holy relics at your parish. Make a pilgrimage to the local holy relics. For by the altars to the saints, we make an altar to God of our saints' relics. God loves these altars. And if you ask me, says St. Augustine, because I will tell you that the reason is that the death of the saints is precious before God. For if we are to venerate the body of Christ, so should we venerate the physical remains of those who are the hands and feet of Christ, perfected in his love. To deny veneration of the holy relics is to deny the veneration of the body of Christ. All you saints of God, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Jesus said to his disciples, A rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, What is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship, because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, What shall I do, now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do. So that when I am removed from the stewardship, they may welcome me into their homes. He called his master's debtors one by one. To the first he said, How much do you owe my master? He replied, 100 measures of olive oil. He said to him, Here is your promissory note. Quickly sit down and write one for 50. Then to another he said, And you, how much do you owe? He replied, 100 measures of wheat. He said to him, Here is your promissory note. Write one for 80. And the master commended that dishonest steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than the children of light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, There were a few quotes from the early church fathers today that I thought were great, specifically because 
they seemed to suggest a, a warning to the Pope and to his successors, to Peter himself and to the successors, because it is Peter who is the steward in the church. It is Peter who possesses the keys. It is Peter who, uh, you know, if you look at the other uh, parables, especially the one of the, the steward of the house, is he going to be caught doing the right thing or will he be caught abusing the people of the house? The, 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 other, the other servants in the house, will he be caught when the master comes at an hour he does not expect? These are veiled little references to, the, to Peter and to his successors, the Holy Pope. In Rome, Bede says this, the bailiff is the manager of the farm. Therefore, he takes his name from the farm. But the steward or director of the household is the overseer of money as well as fruits and of everything else his master possesses. Overseer, that Greek word is the same for bishop, right? So uh, this is a warning to those that would be bishops in Holy Mother Church because they are given much and much is expected of them. Ambrose says, from this we learn then that we are not ourselves the masters, but rather the stewards of the property of others, speaking of himself and his brother bishops. Think about the pressure it would be uh, to be a bishop in our church today, to be not the master of it, but to be just a steward. To do the will of the master, not to impose your will upon the master and the servants, the sheep that belongs to the master. Augustine would go on to say, on the other hand, this parable is spoken that we should understand that if, we, if, if the steward who acted deceitfully could be praised by his Lord, how much more they who please God and do their works according to his commandment. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, yeah, so Cornelius Lapide had a lot to say here, so I'm going to try to focus in on one thing. He said, quote, If this steward could do so wisely provide for this life, much more ought we to be solicitous for the life to come. So this is important because he's saying, if this steward, recognizing that, you know, I'm about to be fired, I'm going to have a job, I better do something to take care of my own life, uh, how much more should we be worrying about our, the coming life, the coming of the heavenly kingdom, and do everything in our power to make sure that we're there. Of course, we can't get there by deceit. We can't get to heaven by deceit. But the cunningness is what is admirable here. In fact, he says here, Cornelius Lapide says otherwise, no, no, we're not recognizing him and saying this is good because he does something wicked. No, instead, we are saying he is wise, he is impressive. Why? It's the same way that whenever we watch like a heist movie, we're not like, oh, wow, it's so good that they're thieves. No, we're thinking, wow, it's so cool that they're able to come up with these great plans to try to get the money that they're trying to get. Now, of course, you recognize that the stealing is evil, <laughs> but the cunningness and the and the wiseness that they're able to pull off such stunts are brilliant. And so in the same way, we treat this man. Again, uh, he, Cornus Lapide goes on to say, we learn from this parable, one, that those who are possessed of riches or any other gift of God, such as health, intellect, and the like, are but stewards of his bounty. And thus, as number two says, what, that everyone is bound to use his possession to the honor and glory of God. And finally, third, and that everyone at the day of judgment will have to give an account, not only for the sins which he committed, but also, and this is very important, for the duties which he has neglected to perform. We all have duties to our state in life as sons, as daughters, as husbands and wives, as fathers and mothers, as priests and laity. We all have duties in our lives and we must fulfill those duties for we will take, we, will have, we have to give an account for our duties at the judgment seat of God. All right. Well, praise be to God. Uh, thank you, Cornelius Alapade, for your insightful look at the gospel today. Praise be to Jesus. I also want to thank uh, Verboom.com forward slash GRN for their sponsorship of our uh, gospel reflection too. 
All right, it's time to go to a break and come back and play our game, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and your last three chances of getting in on the prizes right now. We need you to call and become our contestant to get your chances in the prize drawing today at 877-757-9424. Call right now. If you've never done it, do it now. It's easy. 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call right now. Fear and Trembling is up next. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith and the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ and welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So do me a favor and uh, I think, I don't know if we have a call on or not, but let me give you the number just in case at 877-757-9424. Praise be to God. But there are a few things we like to do on the program. I just don't tell anybody. I keep it on the down low. All right. So don't let this get out. There are a few things. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions, and you might learn something. And if that's all that happens, well, praise be to God, you learn something new, you get to uh, you get to share that with others. And then, of course, we like to laugh, and our callers tend to be a good time. They laugh with us, they have a good time, and we enjoy that. And we give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. But if you're just joining us 
Here's the kicker. Here's the curveball. I don't ask our callers the questions. They don't need to know. They can not know a single correct answer and still win the game. It's that much fun and easy. Praise be to God. And the reason is because I asked Janice and I asked Adrian. One of them will be right and one of them will be wrong. At least seven-eighths of the time. And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize because the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Janice or Adrian? And then uh, there you go. And now, Janice, what could they win? Today's the day. Yeah, our game show sponsor for this week um, has been His Girl Sunday by Stephanie Aquila. His Girl Sunday is giving away an Advent printable bundle that is a beautiful printable bundle for any wife or mother or any uh, uh, any person who is uh, preparing to uh, uh, prepare their home liturgically for the Advent season. Uh, the Advent printable bundle includes a kitchen workbook, a liturgical season meal planner with a grocery list, a Seasons of Light liturgical living companion, and an Advent wreath prayer. And if you win the prize, you you will be emailed the bundle directly to your email. Uh, His Girl Sunday is a Catholic business that is dedicated to celebrating Catholic liturgical living in homes. Stephanie Aquila creates goods that offer help to Catholics who want to pursue living liturgical lifestyles and helps bring joy to many families. You can learn more about her uh, her and her work by visiting hisgirlsunday.com. And also she has a new Instagram account. Um, her Instagram tag is at Stephanie His Girl Sunday. Again, His Girl Sunday is a Catholic small business dedicated to celebrating Catholic liturgical living. Go check out her website. All sure. right. Praise be to God. Thank you, His Girl Sunday, for your generous sponsorship of our game. It is time to play. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, let's go with uh, June. Good morning to you. Thank you for being on our show today. Good morning. How are you today? Praise be to God. Uh, uh, where are you from? I'm from Uvalde, Texas. Uvalde, Texas. And how do I say your name? Uh, June, like June, July. <laughs> June and July. Well, praise. I just want to make sure I got that right. Now, where do you go to church? I go to Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Uvalde. Uvalde. I don't. Have we ever had a Uvalde caller? I'm not even sure we have. Praise be to God, June. You I may be the first so. one ever. I think so too, because we've been listening for quite a while, and I don't have nobody called from Uvalde. Well, praise be to Jesus. Thank you for calling in today. Now, does that mean you're familiar? Then you know the deal. I know the deal, yes. And do you have an opinion? Today's Janice's last day on the game show. Uh, what is your I know. opinion? My wife and I are pretty sad about that. Oh. We, wish her, we wish her many blessings. Praise be to God. But do you Thank think you. she's tricky is the question? Uh, I think Joe's a tricky one. No. Amen, <laughs> brother. No. My brother uh, June over he here finally with the told truth. The truth. No. no. I got to stick to the girls because I, I have not, I have three daughters. I have seven granddaughters. I got three grandsons. But I Praise be to, to God. The girls, man. Well, congratulations, by the way. That sounds like a fantastic <laughs> family. God is so very good. All right. All right. I am on your side, June. Okay. That, sure. I, I am here to advocate for you. Uh, it's it's those two that are tricky. But Joe let's the just, tricky. Let's just see if we can't get through the game. All right. So we Thanks, will start yeah. with uh, Janice. Uh, for the last time, by the way, as is our custom. Janice, are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Yes, 100%. Are you sure? Yep. Janice, can you tell me what expression meaning do save greeted Christ as he entered Jerusalem in triumph uh, that would have to be Osana 
Osana, really? yes. The whole waving of the palm branches? Yes. Osana so in the that, highest? That means do mm-hmm, save. Mm-hmm. Do save. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Um, let's get a second opinion on that. Adrian, can you tell me what expression meaning do save greeted Christ as he entered Jerusalem in triumph? That would be Christus Regnat. Really? Mm-hmm. I think I've heard that before, too. Hmm. Christus Regnat. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Well, June, here is the deal. Well. Here is the deal. Adrian seems to think it's Christus Regnat, whereas Janice says it's Hosanna, like as in Hosanna in the highest, uh, which we sing and chant every Palm Sunday. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? June, what say you? I got to go for the girl with the girl. <laughs> Survey says. You yeah. got it. You got it. Yeah. Praise be to God. So that that was that could have been tricky. That could have been tricky, but not too bad. Yeah. Yes. Christus Regnat is Christ reigns. Yeah. Christ the king. You know. See? Mm. See what I'm saying about okay. trickiness? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, you're in for one. Praise be to God. You could win. It could be God's will. I think we can double your chances, though. Although I have to say this next question, June, is going to be a tough one. It's uh, it's probably one you haven't heard of, maybe. I don't know. Let's see. We're going to go to Adrian first. Adrian, are you ready? Oh, yeah. Can Big you tell time. me, what is the term for the sin against charity that is the unjust dishonoring of a person by refusing to show due signs of honor or by ignoring him or her? Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of the proud man's contumely. I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. I was. What? What? What did you say? Contumely. Mm-hmm. Contumely. Contumely. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a word. Contumely. Contumely. <laughs> right there in Hamlet. A proud man's contumely. A proud man's contumely. Okay. Is that a, is that a joke? <laughs> I don't know. No, that's the question. Isn't it? <laughs> that's the question of the day. This is sixty-four thousand dollar question right there. Contumely. Uh, is that? Is there time to Google it? I'm not sure. But let's ask Janice. Janice, can you tell me what is the term? For the sin against charity, that is the unjust dishonoring of a person by refusing to show due signs of honor or by ignoring him or her. So that is the sin of annoyance. Oh, yay and amen. Oh, I'm sorry, what you were saying? Uh, The sin of annoyance? Annoyance. All right. The sin of (laughs) annoyance. Hmm... Hmm. So it's like you, someone's annoyed by okay. someone, and yeah. you just um, you just n- walk away. You've been talking to my confessor, haven't you? He's been telling <laughs> you stories, hasn't he? I hope he? not. Okay. All right, all right. Here's the deal, June. Uh, Janice says it's the sin of annoyance, whereas Adrian says it's contumely. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? What say you? I think I'm going to go with, I think Adrian's right this time. This time? <laughs> what do you mean this time? <laughs> Can you say that Sur- one more time? Survey says... <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you put that, June. That was great. Uh, if I have to, my, my hands are bound. I think he could possibly be correct. <laughs> it's right there in Shakespeare. Right the press was wrong. The prowess man's katamli. We'll give him a there you chance. Go. What? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow, June. Yeah. Uh, the question is, was Shakespeare Catholic? Absolutely. Mm, 100%. Right. Let's go to the third question. Get you in this cup for a third opportunity here, June. And uh, I have to say... This one ought to be fairly straightforward. Let's go. Let's see what uh, Janice says. Janice, can you tell mm-hmm. me for what mass does the priest wear black? Oh, that would have to be for a, a requiem mass. So, like the the mass that you wear uh, when someone dies in your like family. A funeral. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, Adrian, can you tell me 
what mass does the priest wear black at? You mean Yo Adrian? Okay. Yo, the, uh, Yo Adrian. The uh, that would be <laughs> Pentecost. Really? Yes. Pentecost. Yes. Um, the one where the fire comes down. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's black. Bring the fire. That, that they wear black. It's gonna be that. lit. Very black. Very black. Okay. Mm, all right. <laughs> uh, here's the deal, June. Uh, Adrian. The guy that you felt like was correct, uh, he says it's Pentecost, whereas Janice says it's the Requiem Mass. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? June, what say you? Uh, I want to say Janice. <laughs> you're getting, are you, are you sure? Are you, somebody's what? getting no, what? What? <laughs> Okay. Somebody was phoning a friend. Did you? <laughs> I, I actually work at a funeral home. Oh, oh cool. Wow. Well, praise be to I God. Yeah, I work at a funeral home, so I see those priests wearing black. Yeah, hey, mass of the do. dead. There you go. I bet you do. Well, congratulations. In fact, it was a requiem mass. Congratulations, June. Three perfect answers. Well done, sir. You have maximized your opportunity Yay. today. Awesome. But uh, My grandkids are listening, actually. Oh, uh, praise be to God. We are uh, we are going to put your name into the cup three times right now. Janice is doing that, making sure that your name is in there. And then she is going to stir the coffee cup of God's divine providence vigorously for her last time. And pull right. it. It may not be you, June. I don't know, but we'll have to just see. We'll have right, to just so see. I have God's our holy, winning ticket here. God's and our winner is Sally Spielderner. Oh, Sally. Sally. Congratulations, Sally. <laughs> June, I'm sorry. That means That's it okay. wasn't Come you. But Sally. You could try again. God love you, June. Thank you for being a listener. Thank you for playing our game. Hello to your grandkids. Fun. Yes. Hello yes, to your sir. family. They all call me Paul. All right. Have a great weekend, June. Enjoy your time with your family. Praise be to God. All right. That is going to do it for the radio side of our show. Uh, praise be to Jesus. Thank you all for joining us today and this whole week. Hopefully you have a great weekend. If you can, join us in the after show. We'd love to have you. We have a special guest on to talk about the Summa Domestica. That's coming up in just a few minutes on our live video stream, grnonline.com forward slash GDT. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Welcome to the After Show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a lot more casual, generally speaking, about our conversation. We typically talk about whatever it is you would like to talk about. Praise be to God. Tricky Joe. Mary Barone. Come Jokes, on now. Jokester Joe? <laughs> Jokester Joe. I am the advocate for the, for the caller. Jovial Joe. I, I am on their side. Uh, I'm the only one who is Josh here and Joe? to support them. Uh, help me out here. Someone come up with a better one. Josh and Joe, Joking uh, Joe, Jokester Joe. Jokester I don't know. I, help me out here. I love the fact that a Uvalde caller called in. A Uvalde caller called in. I get Say that, that right ten eventually. times fast. No thanks. <laughs> Let's see. Good morning, Jaren Fam from Good Old San Antonio. Says Sean. Yeah, praise be to morning, God. Morning, Sean. So if uh, if Leela Lawler, when uh, she joins us, we'll we'll jump into a conversation with her uh, about. 
her book, praise be to God, or her books. Uh, until then, let's chat. Uh, can I say happy birthday to Mike again? Absolutely. Over on Odyssey. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Hey, thanks for that. Appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate it. Happy birthday, Mike. Happy birthday to you. I don't know how old you are, but uh, praise be to God. Mike's got to be younger than Joe. I mean, <laughs> just statistically. Uh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> he says he's going to a distillery this weekend. Oh, thanks for the invite, Mike. Yeah, you did you Gee not get whiz. the text? I mean, I got mine. Did you not get yours? I was told it was um, in the mail. It was in the mail. That's right. Yeah. Comes around, goes around, doesn't it? Uh, what else? What else is going on here? I don't know how much time we have. Thank you to our uh, moderators, Jeff, Clarissa, yeah. and Chris, and Chris, uh, with all the spam in our chat box on the uh, YouTube channel. So thank you for getting rid of those spammers for all of our moderators. Remember when we got hit by the Satanist? I I deal with me. That was crazy. That was absolutely crazy. We were. We were Mike inundated. said he is fifty nine, so he is younger than you, dude. Praise be to God. There you go. 59. Good age, 59. You know what they say, uh, every uh, every day is a gift, and you just got a lot of presents. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I don't get presents on my birthday. Well, you do. I have to buy my own. Uh, praise be to Jesus and all things. What was I going to say? There was something I was going to say. I'm proud every single year. Amen to that. Um, I don't know. I forgot what I was going to say. I was, I was going to say something. I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, today is Janice's last day, guys. Uh, we've, we've been meaning to talk about it earlier this week, but it, some, things kept coming up and things didn't work out. So here we are. And uh, right now she's saying goodbye to June, which was a fun contestant, by the way. So, uh, yeah, today's, today's Janice's last day. And we are, we are prepared almost to tell you who is going to be filling in, uh, in the, uh, stepping into the chair there. So. Lori said, "Impressive, Adrian, quoting Shakespeare. It's actually it's the to be and not to or not to be uh, quotation. Uh, that's the famous to be or not to be in it. He talks about the proud man's contumely. Um, though I don't know if that's the actual pr- correct pronunciation of the word. It might be contumely, but I'm not I'm not entirely certain. It's like it's like saying pecan. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. We 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 established this. A pecan is a candy pecan. <laughs> uh, a pecan is something you eat." <laughs> <laughs> Praise be to God. Don, good morning to you. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. Susan Weber, good morning to you. Lori, good morning to you. Gloria Diane Lopez, good morning to you. Mary Barone and Joaquin, good morning to you. Jesus Robles. I'm going to learn how to roll my R's someday. Susan Weber, good morning to you. Praise be to Jesus. Good to see you. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, Patty was on. God love you, Patty. Have a great day. Uh, thank you for, for hanging out with us. Joaquin said, Joe. You can't be in your sixties. You don't look that. You don't look your age. Thank Forever you. young. Thank you. Yay and amen. Yeah, he, he's like seventy, dude. Yay, he's like seventy. Yay and amen. At least in my, from my perspective. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You, I'm sure that's true. Uh, Michelle Vaughn. Good morning to you. She says we will miss Janice. Happy next endeavors. Eric Rodriguez says, "Come on, man. Come on, man. Come yeah. on, man. Come on, man." <laughs> What are we talking about? Monica Cortez, good morning to you. Buddy K9, good morning to you. Sonia Morales, good morning to you. June, you were a great contestant. Thank you for for hanging out with us and having a laugh with us today. Amen, amen. Praise be to God. Uh, Michelle, good morning to you. Steve Marquette was on hanging out earlier. Praise be to God. I know his son. Me and his son went to high school together. Oh, wow. Cool. Christopher Chance is hanging out with us, as well as Clarissa over on uh, YouTube's. Jeff Burrier, the Burrier family, praise be to God. Eric Rodriguez, good morning to you. Colin, good morning to you. Uh, let's see, I know um, 
Somebody was having problems earlier. Gloria Lopez was having problems on Facebook, so she she swapped she over. She said really mean things. That's to, why. Uh, <laughs> she swapped over to our website. She uh, was she was just like railing against us, cursing. She said, "Here, I'll quote she? exactly what she said." She oh, said, my. "Joe, where does your son work again?" <laughs> that was Lori. That oh, that was that. Lori. Was it Lori? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Lori was getting uh, her. She was getting. Uh, she was violating community standards. Yeah, it was with her weird. mean comments, asking mm-hmm. about where my son worked. Um, what's up with Facebook? Like, they are they having algorithm no problems? They're like they're 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 flagging comments that are completely harmless and and have no issues whatsoever. Yeah, makes super zero whack. sense. Mike says, "Best wishes to you, Janice. Uh, God bless you." Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Uh, are we are we still doing Lila Lawler? If she is pops she, on, she's not on. Oh, okay. Oh, she's not on yet. So uh, okay. we can reschedule her for another time. That's okay, fine. that works yeah. too. Um, so today is your last day. Praise be to God. Yes. What was the best thing about working for Catholic Drive Time? Um. So I really loved meeting all the guests that we had here on the radio. I feel that um, God. I feel very edified by all the guests that we've had. Um, I, I just, yeah, just, it brings hope to me that there's good Catholics out there and that there's a lot of good Catholics, you know, trying to fight the good fight. Uh, so that brought me a lot of hope, um, especially, um, during this season of the world that we're living in. Um, I, uh, so I love the guest. Um, I also loved playing the game show. That was really fun. It is a lot of fun, isn't it? um, yeah, just uh, just I think that's like those are my those are my favorite things like meeting great guests and then find playing the the game. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, it's a kind of, it's a bittersweet season for me. Um. You know, I uh I actually uh didn't uh I didn't necessarily I wasn't necessarily looking for a new job back in the the summer. I wasn't I wasn't in the market for a new job. But God, um, by his providence, you know, he brought this opportunity into my hands and and, into my um, network. And I actually was hesitant to take it at first because I was like, well, I'm already, you know, I'm already settled in what I'm doing. I I had a routine. I kind of had a a routine going on for me at home because I I was working from home. Uh, But I I kept feeling like God was knocking. You know, he was like. No, I need you to take this. Even it's even if it's for a little bit, like I need you to take this. And looking back, I realize I'm like, now I know why I had to take it. You know, um, just a lot of um, uh, spiritual like kind of epiphanies that I've had these past couple of months. Um, I've had a lot of epiphanies in my life where I'm like, wow, like I never realized. You know, um, yeah, I, I just feel like my 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 sense of vocation and my sense of like purpose has actually uh gr- increased by being here Amen. uh you know and so i feel very blessed that Praise i've be been able to um you know uh, uh meet both of you i think uh you uh, adrian and joe you guys are amazing you guys are uh, you fighting that, the good fight you said i'm amazing did you <laughs> Are you taking notes, Adrian? So, someone had to say something nice. <laughs> she's just she's just being charitable. She doesn't mean it. No, yeah, no I I really do. I think you guys are I think you guys are fighting the good fight, and we need more men like you you guys that are fighting the good fight and defending truth. And um, amen. So I think uh, yeah, you guys well, are doing you, good work. All right. So what was the worst part about working for 
uh, for for CDT? Um, so I think Me. the worst the worst part, um, and a lot of people probably don't know this, but you know, Adrian and Joe come. They arrive. This, this is a early morning shift job, so they would really you Joe, think so? Joe would come in at me. three. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joe Joe is uh, Joe comes comes in around three or four in no, the morning. Four. Yeah, four. Um, which I means which which means you have to wake up at three. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think for me, just the 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 schedule shift was very was kind of a shock to my body because I you know working from home I have flexibility I can you know wake up at eight or nine or seven or six it just it depends on the day um, having like more flexibility at home and um, when I accepted the job I my my body actually had like a shock <laughs> and I then my body's like what are you doing with your sleep schedule and um, I think that that was the that was the worst part. Just adjusting to that um, was kind of difficult. But it's hard. Uh, I also feel grateful for it because I feel that um, it it's kind. It reminded me of my time when I was. I think I told you I was part of a boot camp called Fit for Christ Boot Camp. Yeah. And honestly, like that boot camp was life changing for me because I I used to wake up at five every morning when I when I used to live in D.C. And I would run 5Ks every morning. Um, and, and during that season in my life, I was like living a very rigid kind of like r- r- schedule. I like rigid. And um, <laughs> I was living a very rigid schedule. And I actually was very, um, I don't know, it was, just, it was, it was uh, there's a book called, uh, I think, um, Pink Cares. He's a Dominican. He talks about um, the pinkers. The pinkers. Pink Cares. Or Stephen Pinkers is the book about pink hair. I'm, cu- no. I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> maybe I'm. Confused. I'm maybe but I'm it saying is Dominican, so yeah, I shouldn't be surprised. He I talks guess. about the um, <laughs> the virtue Dominicans. of indifference yeah. versus the virtue of excellence. And I used to teach this when I taught at uh, the University of Saint Thomas. And the the virtue of excellence is essentially um, discipline and um, having rules set in your life that that actually help you live an excellent life and when you're indifferent and you don't have like rules or mm-hmm. discipline you actually fall into laxity is that what is that, is that a word like lax being lax or like yeah so i feel like um Slothfulness. yeah and so i i actually feel grateful that um this opportunity came to me because it it reawoken that love that i have you know like Mm. you know for discipline i feel like 2020 made people lazy like 2020 made people just everybody's working from home you know everybody has like everybody's at home and i think that i mean i i did that for a year and um i think god was like okay i'm gonna you know dust you off a little bit because you've been working from home for too long and now i'm gonna give you a little bit more of a schedule um, so I'm thankful for that. So I definitely take that with me and Good. I will take that with me. Yeah, amen. Forward. It's not easy, right? I mean, uh, yes. it's, uh, when Emily started, she was, we're, we're, we're a year into this, Adrian. Can you believe it? My first day working was November 2nd. I, I just passed my anniversary. Yeah. My first year here. Isn't it crazy? Yep. There you go. Now, when we started the process, um, Emily was our co-host and 
she was great, but she was in night school, and it was very hard for her to to do both. Yikes! Yeah, you know, night school and get up early, read the news, and like kind of be coherent, and it's not easy. And then when uh, Emily let us know that she was wanting to move back to Chicago and and move on, and um, we went into the job search, and it I kind of naively thought I probably will have two or three really good candidates to choose from. This will be amazing, and we realized very quickly how exclusive. This really is, and I don't mean to toot her own horn, but you have to have somebody who is madly in love with Holy Mother Church, the Catholic faith, who understands that, right? They got to understand their Catholic faith. They have to desire that all uh, all souls on planet Earth should become Catholic before they die. Like that's that's part of the mission. And they have to be courageous to talk about the big issues of our day and not and not uh, dwell upon cancel culture and the the fear of what might happen if they speak out about uh, one of these third rail issues. And then, uh, of course, they uh, also have to be willing and disciplined to get out of bed early, get in here early, and do the work. That makes it very exclusive, because there's a lot of people who might check some of those other boxes, but they can't check that one. And uh, and it is hard. Or they'll check that one and not some of those other boxes. So it's uh, it's a very exclusive group of human beings on planet Earth you know, I think of the Hell's Angels with their one percent tattoos, right? I think we ought to have like a a point five percent or something like that on our ta- on our on our next. Adrian, what do you say? Let's go do that. Let's go get let's go get point five percent tattoos. Um, <laughs> what do you say? I'm uh, highly Mania. against Mania. tattoos. What? So you you're go- Dominican. Yeah. So pink hair. Tattoos. Yeah. I'm a pass on the tattoos. Uh, I will uh, I will give you a thumbs up from the back. I'll just point at you and be like, hey, good job. Yeah. Uh, have fun. Again. Yay. And uh, but no thanks. Uh, Sci-Fi Mike over at Odyssey says, you get up before I fall asleep. Yikes. On bad days, <laughs> given the time zone. I, my brother would do that. Uh, when I was living at my parents' house, My I would literally, some days I would be getting out of bed uh, because back then... I was getting up at like two in the morning because back when we first started, we I was here at uh, three. No, yeah, yeah, three. I was here at like three in the morning, and I would get up at like two and be out the door at two fifteen, two twenty, two thirty. Yeah, and uh, my brother would be heading to bed as I was leaving. <laughs> wow, um, wild. So Sonia uh, says, "God bless you in your new endeavors, your new role." Eric Rodriguez says, "Thanks for being a part of the CDT team." Michelle Vaughn says, "Janice, I appreciate your feminine, sweet." ways and your subtle humor um so praise be to god mm, for that awesome yeah i was i think i mentioned this earlier before the uh before our second before the game show uh there's a quote that i came across the other day and i really felt like it spoke to me it said you know sometimes when god um sometimes when you are faced with detours in life mm. or when something that you thought was going to work out uh, actually didn't necessarily work out as you thought it would, but it actually ended up working out really good for you. Um, and in simple terms, it said, um, you know, the thing that might have not worked out like you thought it would, like you thought it did actually really worked out for you. And that's literally how I feel about, um, this season of my life. Um, you know, I, I really came into this position, uh, feeling like this was something that God really wanted me to do. Um, and I didn't really understand why God wanted me to do this, but I was like, okay, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to take this position. And um, now that I look back, I realize, oh, now I understand, you know, this, 
I've I've grown so much. I've uh, I feel like I've received so much insight, and um, it's it's actually reaffirmed my desire to um, live out my vocation more fervently. Amen. Um, so uh, as you guys know, like I'm I'm a young uh, married woman, uh, and my husband and I we we talk about. You know what? Um, we we're we're very you know traditional. We love to talk about um, church and uh, culture and politics and just like the overall nature of um, society. And and he he really has supported me in all of my endeavors. But um, you know, he said whatever whatever is best for our family is what we're always going to do. And uh, I, I discerned that working from home is the best thing for our family. Um, the best thing for us. And right. so... Well, praise be to God. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you again for your service to Catholic Drive Time. We're very grateful to you. Our guest has joined us, and we're getting ready to record an interview uh, with her about her brand new book. So uh, so we're going to do that next. But uh, God love you, uh, Janice, on you, and uh, God be with you on your on your journey and whatever comes next for you. We'll be praying for you, for sure. Thank you. And we will, uh, we will let you guys know about who is joining the CDT team um, Next week, we'll tell you about all about that next week. Praise be to God. Uh, let's see. Uh, real quick, though, Clarissa says, I can't believe it's been a year. That's awesome. Good job, guys. When I first heard uh, this radio show, I was uh, surprised because I was enjoying the reruns that used to play at 6 a.m. of Father Ricardo. Now I am grateful and glad for CDT. Best radio show ever. Praise oh, be to praise Jesus. Be to God. Thank you for that. All right, uh, Leela, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank Pray, you. Praise be to God. It's Lila. <laughs> Is it Lila? Thank you. Well, thank you for correcting me. I appreciate that. Otherwise, I would have been saying it wrong the whole time. Uh, <laughs> Lila. All right. Praise Jesus for that. All right. So we are going to uh, begin our conversation, record this, and it'll be played during the uh, live radio hour at some point, probably next week. But uh, so, guys, uh, again, thank you for commenting and hanging out with us and chatting with us. But uh, have a great weekend if I don't get to say goodbye to you otherwise. All right, Lila, are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, are we rolling, Adrian? Yes, sir. Praise be to God. Hi, Lila. Huge fan of your work. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, joining us right now via Zoom chat is Lila Lawler. She is the wife of one mother of seven and grandmother of 16 and counting. Praise be to God. She lives in central Massachusetts. Her husband is a noted author, uh, Philip Lawler, whom we've had on this program before. I'm a big fan of his, by the way. And Lila has a brand new three-volume set out called the Summa Domestica, and we're going to be chatting about uh, feminism, modernity, and so much more. Good morning to you, Lila. Good morning. Praise be to God. Tell us about your work. Oh, well, hmm. <laughs> I started blogging about, um, I think it's getting to be 12 or 13 years ago, and um, kind of as a little almost uh, a private chat between me and my daughters, and then it uh, little by little got to be known um, as just something that did strike a chord especially with moms who are homeschooling so I and I started because I found that I was often answering the question of I would like to homeschool how do I go about doing it hmm. and honestly um, that is a question that takes me a long time to answer so I thought <laughs> how about I just go ahead and pop my thoughts in a form that I can direct people to. And I try to do it little by little, not dump it all into one 
um, you know, that one blog post with the 14 things you need to know about homeschooling, <laughs> not that do it that way, which I find overwhelming and I thought would be overwhelming to somebody who started out. Mm. But instead, gradually just um, showing people what it is that I wanted to convey and to do it in a way that was appealing. I, I always like to have pictures on my post. I like to share um, little corners of my home, but in a peaceful, calm way. And, um, you know, to show the weeds along with the flowers and to help people to understand that um, the the way to go forward is not to seek perfection, but to just try to be competent in certain things that have to do with homemaking and then educating your children flows naturally from that. So that's basically how I got started with the blog and it kind of all snowballed from there. You know, um, something we talk a lot about on our program is the domestic church and the need to uh, stem the tide against the the insanity that has become our culture. And, and every day seems like there's new revelations of the insanity getting worse. And yet the the attack on the family is is picking up pace. Right. Uh, homeschooling, I think, is a great tool to in the in the tool bag to help prevent uh, the destruction of the family or the attacks on the family. I myself have been homeschooling with along with my wife and our our children for many many years. Praise be to Jesus. Um, but I think too many Catholic families have, without even knowing, without thinking about it too much, and maybe wouldn't even admit it. But it's seemingly they embrace more of the secular worldview than they do of their own Catholic worldview. Do you see that? Um, yeah. You mean in homeschooling? In life in general. Oh, in life in general. Yes. The world is is very much with us, and it's a challenge. Um, it's a challenge to to keep the priorities straight. And for me, everything has to do with order and hierarchy. Unfortunately, um, the problem that we have is that the church itself has become very worldly. And so people are, um, people just don't have the, yeah, they just don't understand that things have an order to them. And that, you know, the domestic church is connected to the, the church and as a whole, and that this is all done on it, it all happens in a very um, hidden way. Mm. And it's not something that you can really funnel into some sort of program or system mm. other, you know, that, that you can externalize other than what we have been given, which is actually very simple um, and not it's, you know, I kind of, I kind of feel like you could say in a way, the danger, you know, the quote from scripture is that the love of money is the root of all evil. But I think if I can be permitted to tweak that a little, I kind of feel like what the real challenge that we're facing right now is that the love of monetization mm. is the is the root of all evil, and um, the temptation in the church is to monetize religion, and the temptation in the family is to monetize family life, and um, somehow. You know, the mother is really at the heart of the resistance to this because the mother, if her role is properly understood, it, what she does is the opposite of monetization. She doesn't have any um, dollar signs put on what she does. Yeah. And and that is essential. That's what Our Lady really stands for. And for women to pursue what Our Lady um 
did in in her life is would really help to to rectify a lot of these problems that we have. So yes, it's true that, you know, secularization, worldliness, this has all crept in. And I think that the past 18 months have really challenged us to kind of be stripped of all that. This is, this is really a, um, a time of, of, of purgation of, um, I would go so far as to say chastisement to return to what, the true goals are, and when you start with um, you start with the fundamental idea of marriage, marriage is a sacrament. You have a family, and the the true goals or ends of marriage are to bring children into the world and to educate them. Mm. And this is not a matter of of any kind of um, you know complex technological effort this is given to us in the way we are made so it's something that's accessible it's not an ideal it is accessible it can be done and um that's what kind of what i'm trying to show and in my own way which is not necessarily you know the best way but i feel like sometimes <laughs> i'm the only one well you got three you got a three volume set out so you got something to say that's for sure lila Lawler. i mean i definitely have something to say no question <laughs> lila Lawler's our guest it's done and the best way i don't know lila Lawler's our guest her book is the summa domestica <laughs> three volume set actually you can find it mm-hmm. linked up at sophia institute press by the way let's talk about uh, feminism though we live in a day and a time where many even in the in the church uh, we're again going back to what I said a minute ago about bracing sort of the secular worldview. Um, they look at the 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 wife's the mother's role is not to be the one that stays home and cares for the kids or helps to educate the children, but they're in the workplace, they're out in society, they're competing with men on uh, on the uh, the same uh, from the same aspect of what men's vocations and and calling are. How do you see that? Um, well, you know, it's funny because I would say that when I first started writing, um, I definitely am of the belief that feminism is a scourge and is something that is to be totally rejected, um, mainly because as Pius XI um, says in Casti Canubi, his encyclical Casti Canubi, the woman loses by pursuing equality. She is actually, um, her her position is actually higher than that of man. And um, she has what he calls a truly regal throne. In her position, as I said about um, referencing the idea of monetization, in her, in her, uh, in her, role as rising above that as representing something that cannot bear a dollar sign she is actually higher so when she pursues equality she actually loses something so i have been speaking about this to and people are shocked and well i would say (laughs) 12 years ago you know i'd go on twitter and i'd say this and and truly there would be like a response that was simply sputtering. There were, nobody had ever heard. I would have people say to me, but, 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 and basically in the end, all they could really say was the vote. And I'm kind of like, well, d- you know, great. Tell me, please demonstrate to me one thing you think that women receiving the vote has resulted in an improvement. Just 
I'm, I'm listening. Let's hear it. Um, there is something, and you know, women originally, uh, the majority of women, when the um, women's suffrage was proposed, the great majority of women were against it. And that is because women intuitively understand that when the woman's role becomes politicized, which is what the vote is, something is lost because mm. women represent something that is above politics. Politics is not the be all and the end all. And the fact that we think it's the be all and the end all is a testimony to me of how life has become degraded. So anyway, all of which to say is that now fast forward to now um, where I have really been saying this for years now, little by little, just throwing out, you know, my shocker, like, no, I actually don't think you can redeem feminism. And why would you want to? I think um, I see now more and more people saying this. Yeah, like, maybe feminism actually is a problem. Oh, yeah, you think you think that the mountains of dead bodies of unborn children that mm. we that surround us, you know, in our consciences, that that those don't matter that somehow we can redeem that why why would we want to it's it's a failed ideology and it is an ideology based in the marxist idea of political equality which is which is corrosive it 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 harms everything it touches and there's no redeeming it you know people there are a lot of people out there who want to talk about christian feminism and to me that's an utter contradiction in terms it's a contradiction